Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for third service, those gathered here in the pews, as well as those joining us online. Thank you, Father, for the gift of worship, for Sabbath, for rest, for the beauty of the message of the gospel and for Jesus. And Father, we just pray that by your spirit you would be present here in this place and that you would move in very profound ways. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I imagine that most of you are far, far more sophisticated than I am to think about such trivial things as I'm going to explain to you here in just a moment. But bear with me, go with me, um, and we'll see if it connects at some level. Nevertheless, anyway, so I was thinking this week about how cool it would be to have a superpower. <laughs> see, I told you, you don't think about such things, but... Us preachers, we only work one day a week. This is what we think about, right? So, so I'm thinking about what, what would it be like to have a superpower? Just think about it. I mean, you think, you know, what if you had, what if you could fly? What if you were like Superman? You could fly like a speeding bullet. You could fly. You could leap tall buildings in a single bound. What if you could fly? I mean, think about it now. Um, it might be safer than taking the airlines. <laughs> They've had a rough time over here lately. You could skip TSA. How would that be? That would be all right. I mean, imagine if you could fly. You could just pick up the family, you scoop up the family. Hey, we're going to wherever we're going to go, and you wouldn't have to wait in long lines or anything like that. All right. Then I thought about what, if, what would it be like to have incredible strength? You could just lift up things and carry things, and that wouldn't be a problem. What if, you could, what if you could run really fast, like Flash? What if you had the speed of Flash, and you could just go? So you get up five minutes before you had to be at work, and boom, you're there. I mean, you would maximize sleep. Sleep is very important for us. You could, you could maximize and still get to work on time, right? Superpowers, man. What would it be like? Oh, here's one for you. And all the married people or the couples, significant other, if you have a significant other, think about this. What if you had the superpower of being able to read your significant other's mind? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that may not be so good, right? <laughs> I'd just rather stay in the dark about what she really thinks of me, right? <laughs> I mean, but think, you know, that'd be an awesome superpower. What if you could be invisible? If you could be invisible, if that's the superpower, I think it is, there was an invisible man at one point, but if you could be invisible, you could walk into a room and nobody would know that you were there and you could hear what there's. You, if you're a parent, what if you could walk into your kid's room? <laughs> You'd find out some things maybe you didn't want to know, huh? right? I mean, what if, you, what if you had these superpowers? So Paul speaks to the Colossians. He's talking to these people, and they're going through it. Times are tough. Their faith is being challenged. They have antagonists. They have people who are calling into question the, the validity of their faith and this whole gospel thing and this whole Jesus thing. And, and, and people, are, people are saying, that can't possibly be true. Or if, if that's the way you believe about this Jesus thing and that's the way you think about your faith, there's something not quite right there. In fact, you should consider this. There's, there's this idea that you might ought to consider because this, that, what you're talking about and the way you're living doesn't all quite add up. And so they come under attack and one of the reasons why Paul is writing to the Colossians um, is to encourage them and to remind them that God has given them something so powerful and so profound. 
that it'll help them withstand whatever attack they come under. It's, he's, 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 he's writing to let them know that, that within you, that, that, that God has given you something that, that will allow you to uh, sustain your faith over the long haul. It's, it's something that will, be, um, that will be able to withstand the test of time and be able to withstand any test that comes its way. Even the doubters, even the antagonists, you have something within you. And I want you to listen to this passage. Um, it's Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. I want you to pick out. I want to see if you can hear what Paul is talking about. He says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Paul understands what's going on in their context. And he says, I have not, Ever since I heard what's going on with you, how your faith is being challenged, I have been praying for you like crazy, he says. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit, there it is, hang on to that word, that the Spirit gives, verse 10, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. All right, did you hear it? Paul says you are under attack. People are challenging your faith. They're questioning the whole validity of this whole notion of Jesus and, and faith in Jesus. He says the thing that you have, don't forget the thing that you have. And that is the spirit that is the Spirit of God. That's what you have. So you want to talk about a superpower, if you will. What Paul suggests is that once you come to faith in Jesus, that God gives you his Spirit. And it is by that Spirit that you are actually able to sustain spiritual life and vitality. It's by that spirit that comes and dwells in you that you learn of the knowledge of his will, that you learn, that you gain wisdom and understanding, that you live a life worthy of the Lord, and that you learn to please him in every way, and that you have great endurance, and you have great patience, and you have strength, you have all power. That's what he says. And how cool is that, man? How cool is that that Paul comes along and he says, there's all kinds of stuff that's going to come your way. All kinds of stuff. But don't be shaken. God's spirit is at work in you. So if you go over to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, he goes to the heart of the problem. He actually describes the actual issue that's going on there at the Colossian church. And he says, uh, in chapter 2 verse 8, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Wow. So here's the thing. Here's, here's how you can sum up the book of Colossians or the letter to the Colossians. You can put it this way. This is a good summary, a good way to sort of remember what's happening in the book of Colossians, and that is to say this, if you want to remain faithful, that's what Paul is telling him, if you want to remain faithful, lean into the Spirit of God and focus on Jesus. So he says, 
If you want to remain faithful, if you want to be true to this God who you have given your heart and your life to, if you want to remain faithful, lean into the spirit that strengthens you and gives you wisdom and understanding and spiritual knowledge. Lean into the spirit and focus on Jesus. Why? Because those who were challenging the, the, the Colossians were saying that, no, this Jesus, eh, but what about this? Oh yeah, we get the whole Jesus thing, that's nice. They were questioning the resurrection, they were questioning all kinds of stuff and maybe this Jesus or maybe if you just kind of add this to what you're trying to do in your faith. What about this and what about this? And they were throwing all kinds, they were planting all kinds of seeds of doubt about their faith and questioning Jesus. So Paul writes to them in the entire book of Colossians is extremely Christocentric. It's all about Jesus. It focuses on his sufficiency. It focuses on his power that he, that he gained through the Father. It, it, it focuses on what he accomplished at the cross. It focuses all on Jesus. And Paul says, lean into the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of God to focus you on Christ and you'll be able to withstand anything that comes your way. Now, how appropriate for our own context because the truth of the matter is you and I come up against, maybe not always in an antagonistic way, but we come up against all kinds of ideologies, all kinds of spiritualities, all kinds of philosophies in this day and age. We have all kinds of worldviews. Everybody's got a belief system of some sort. Um, let me just interject this. There's a gathering, a big Adventist ga gathering in Hungary, I believe, recently. And uh, there's a speaker there by the name of George Barna. You probably have heard of George Barna. He's made, his, he's made his, uh, himself famous uh, for being a Christian statistician, all right? And uh, so he researches and tries to understand the spiritual lives of Christians. And he does surveys and he calculates all sorts of things. And it basically helps him to, uh, helps him to, to, to report on the spiritual state of, of the church, and he spoke to an Adventist audience over in Hungary. And basically he said this. He said, the challenge that we face today, and we're at crisis mode, so this is like DEFCON 15, whatever that is, right? He said, the crisis we face today are competing worldviews. At, at the heart of the struggle are competing worldviews. And he says, church people, church people and their kids don't necessarily always have a biblical or a spiritual, a Christocentric spiritual world view. He says that, that, that there's tons of worldviews out there, there's all kinds of ideology, all kinds of philosophies, and they're, they're influencing the church, and they're influencing church people. And where we are now is at a crisis mode because unless, until we can begin to sort of bring back the church and the people young and old, to a more Christ-centered, biblically-focused worldview, we will always struggle, we'll always struggle with spiritual fervency. And he's dead on. And it's the same struggle, it's the same contention that was happening with the Colossians, is that all kinds of other thoughts and other philosophies and so forth were coming into play, and the believers there were challenged. They were fairly young believers, and so Paul writes to them to encourage them and to say, hey, don't forget, don't forget about Jesus, and don't forget about the Spirit of God that dwells in you. So 
let me put it this way. What I'm talking about is Christ-centered biblical spirituality. In, the, in a world in which there's all kinds of spiritualities, right? In, in fact, it's, it's mainly the type of world and the type of culture where you grab, it's buffet style. You just kind of grab what fits you, right? And you've, you've come into, you've, you've run across people who say, well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And we have no, we don't know what that means necessarily unless they explain a little bit further. But you understand that that Christian spirituality, Christian spirituality is marked by a devotion to the teachings of Jesus as revealed in the Bible. That's, that's what we're doing here. That's those who claim faith in Jesus, those who have received him as Lord and Savior. Now, as we live out this life of devotion to Jesus, what we're saying is our lives are primarily influenced by, they are significantly influenced by our commitment to understanding who Jesus is and what he did as the Bible reveals that to us. And that shapes the way we think. That shapes the way I live. It, it, it influences how I treat someone. It influences everything that I do. That's Christian, biblical, Christocentric spirituality. And that isn't to, that isn't to make uh, offend any other spiritualities out there. That's just talking about what I believe Scripture teaches about those of us who are Christ followers. And all of that is motivated by, all of that is fueled by the Spirit of God that we receive when we come to Christ. So, here's, um, here's Paul, or here's, here's Luke in the book of Acts. Listen to this, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He describes what happens to believers. He says, uh, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he describes what happens to Christ's followers, to believers. Again, in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, this is Paul speaking out to the Romans. He says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Superpower! Yeah! You can't fly, but the Spirit of God resides in you. So you can live above a lot of the fray. You don't have super strength. You can't lift a car. But God's spirit within you fortifies you in such a way that you can bear any load. In fact, if we understand it correctly, the Bible teaches that, that his burden is easy. His burden is light. And so even though we come under pressure and oppression and all kinds of things stack on top of us. It, it feels light to us because I operate under his strength and not my own. That's how Paul describes this, this spirit of God that works. And, and let's not forget how, how Jesus himself 
describes his ministry as he started out. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Listen to this. Jesus came under the same power of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus says, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus talks about how the Spirit was on him. And this is just little old you and me. If Jesus operated under the power of the Spirit, if he accomplished his mission, if he went about and moved amongst the people in the way that he did, he demonstrated love, he demonstrated patience, he healed, he set people free, he did all those things. If Jesus did that because of the Spirit was on him, how much more do you and I absolutely have to have the Spirit of God working in us? I mean, can you imagine how is it that I am able to even love my spouse without the Spirit of God? I mean, you know the, the bar that is raised for, for husbands to love wives, because Paul says, uh, husbands, Love your wives in the same way that Christ loved the church. Dudes, <laughs> that's hardcore. <laughs> that's rough, right? I mean, in, in, in the culture, it's not, there's nothing working in our favor, right? We just had Mother's Day. Mother's Day is celebrated. You get lots of balloons and coffee and chocolate and you name it. Father's Day, it's like, okay, Father's Day, whatever. <laughs> right? <laughs> And yet, God says, Jesus comes along, he says, love, love in the same way that Christ loved the church. You got to love your, you got to love your spouse. Then he says, love your enemies. All that is accomplished. None, none of this is accomplished unless the spirit of God is in you. You don't love your enemies because you sort of, you know, grit, grit your teeth and bear it. You love your enemies in the way the scripture describes that we should love our enemies and we love our neighbor in the way that scripture des describes that we should love our neighbor, not under our own strength and power, but because God comes and resides in me. Jesus, uh, through his spirit, comes and resides in me and he empowers me to do all these things. That's really the only way that that happens. Jesus describes it another way. Uh, in John chapter 3 and verse 8, he says, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. This is huge. No one can enter the kingdom of God even unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, this is him talking to Nicodemus, by the way, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So Jesus talks about the very sort of transformation that begins to happen in Christ followers. That there's a rebirth, there's a renewal, there's something that begins to happen differently. And after birth, there's this walking in the Spirit, right? So Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So it's not just this one time God makes a deposit into our lives of his spirit and we just sort of ignore it the rest of our spiritual existence. 
Rather, God makes the deposit, then there's the, implic- the, imp- the implication here is that we live and we walk in the Spirit. We do life not as unspiritual, but as deeply spiritual Christ follows, which means that we are influenced by, fueled by the Spirit of God. He says, he says it another way. If you go to Galatians 5.25, he says this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The implication again being, I want to be attentive to, I want to listen to, I want to go with God. It's interesting, you think about Jesus. He was, inc- he was misunderstood because he had a spiritual agenda and not a, not a, not a different agenda. He had, he had a spiritual agenda. So he comes to the earth. He puts on human flesh. He says that he's been anointed. The Spirit of God is on him. And he begins to move out amongst the people. And he was wildly misunderstood because the people who had, the people who had kind of anticipated a Messiah to come, someone to save them, a Savior, if you will, were under the oppression of the Romans. And so they anticipated a king would come, a Savior would come, and would rescue them from the oppression of the evil people who were in charge of them. And they looked for this king to come in strength and power and wielding a sword to put down the people who oppressed them. And Jesus shows up, a baby in a manger. <laughs> because he had a different agenda. And yet, he, he, sent you, he sent you competing messages because when he walked amongst you, he talked about how his kingdom would come. And everybody's looking around going, Okay, where's your kingdom? Bring it on, buddy. Then he would say, my kingdom is not of this world. Ah! He had a deeply spiritual kingdom that he spoke of. He said, yeah, it will come in reality and you will see it tangibly at that day. But right now I need you to understand that my kingdom exists right now. In fact, when you become my follower, you actually become my kingdom. You are the kingdom. You are the light to the world. Say, well, we, we don't get it. We don't get it. It went over everybody's heads, and it continues to go over a lot of heads even today. That it's primarily this, this spiritual, invisible thing that's going on. It's, it's God's sort of secret work that he does. He would preach to people, and he would talk to them, about how he was the bread of life. Okay, we get that, Jesus. You got, you got bread, you got loaves of bread, you got, yeah, we get that. We eat that, we're sustained, we're good. He said, no, 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 you don't get it. If you eat this bread, you'll never be hungry again. And that's why you as, that's why we as Christ followers, we, we understand what it means to be deeply satisfied and content because we feast on and we feed on and we eat this bread of life. That's why, that's, that's how you can fast. I mean, come on, people. You want me to skip a meal? That's got to be the power of Jesus, all right? That's got to be something deeply spiritual. But then we know that Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. And Jesus would talk about water and he'd, He'd interact with the woman at the well, and he'd talk about this, this, this living water. 
And if you drink of this water, guess what? You'll never thirst again. What do you mean we'll never thirst again? I get thirsty. It's hot. It's desert. I live in Florida. I get thirsty. Ah, I'm talking about something far deeper and more profound. That if you drink of me and if you eat of me, you will find the life that you, that you long to live. And ultimately, that's what this thing is all about. I, I, I really believe that spiritual life and spiritual living is the thing that Jesus came to bring us. I don't know what your idea of the perfect life is. I don't know if it's having a ton of money, having a ton of things. But when Jesus came, he, he came to reveal to us himself and to reveal to us what it means to really live. That's why he was saying, John 10, I came that they might have life and have it to the full. And he, he kind of came to show us what a full life is. And it's primarily a life where it is a life lived under the power of the Spirit of God from the inside out. That's what Jesus came to give. He came to give spiritual life. He came so that we would experience that rebirth under the power of his spirit and, and we'd be able to kind of make sense of this world or at least endure it. You know, you can't help but think of a little bit about how crazy things get, Right? And, and I think as, as Christians, we might be tempted to try and explain it or to give people some sort of, you know, explanation about it all. I think I've backed off of trying to explain the junk that goes on in the world. And all, all I think I'm sort of, I think I'm, I think I'm at a place where I'm saying, I'm going to go ahead and trust in this God, and it's not a blind trust. I'm going to trust in this Jesus. Yeah, I'll think about some of these things. I'll try to process them intellectually, but at the end of the day, I'm going to trust and live by God's Spirit. I'm going to have this, this view of things. I'm going to look through the lens of the Spirit and of faith to allow me to be able to just sort of to make it through. I don't know any other way to do it except to live under the leading and guiding of God's spirit. Because if I'm left to sort of my own flesh, I'm gonna react and say and do things and be an absolute jerk, probably. And if I'm not a jerk, I'll be incredibly cynical and mean and just not nice or pleasant. Because there's junk that goes on. And there are philosophies and ideologies and spiritualities that are going on and, and, and there's all kinds of junk. But Paul offers us these words. And I'm going to hit you with seven, seven thoughts that Paul presents us with that as we come under, as we recognize the power of God's spirit that is within us, these things emerge for us to be able to live life. And remember, Colossians. Colossians to remain faithful, lean into the Spirit of God, focus on Jesus. Remain faithful in the midst of all kinds of craziness. Lean into God's Spirit, focus on Jesus. So, 
Colossians 1, verses 9 through 11, he gives us these things. Number one, he says, knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As we lean into God's spirit, we gain knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. A short word for that is discernment. And in this day and age, we desperately need discernment. Christians who come under the power of God's spirit are able to understand and to see things beyond simply the surface. Okay, it doesn't mean we're weird and, and we're going to make prophecies. It simply means that we can see truth. We can discern. We have some understanding. That comes as God's Spirit, as we're in touch with God's Spirit, as we engage with this God of the Bible. Knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's uh, Colossians 1, verse 8, 9, and 10, 11. Number two, live a life that is pleasing to God. Again, that's what we all want. I want my spiritual life to be pleasing to God. I want to lift him up. I want to bring honor and glory to his name. Under the spirit of God, as we lean into that spirit, we please him. We please him. The third thing, bearing fruit in every good work. Yes, bearing fruit in every good work. I want you to do good things. I don't want you to be so spiritually minded that you're no earthly good. But it begins first as God does something in you by his spirit, and then it moves out. In other words, I believe God is far more interested in doing something in you than he is doing something through you. But he will use you and work through you to impact and affect change, but he first wants to do something in you so that what you do out there actually makes a difference. Actually makes a difference and brings glory and honor to his name because at the end of the day, it's not about you and what you do. It's about him. Bearing fruit in every good work. His spirit will always bear fruit if we lean into it. Number four, growing in our knowledge of God. And that's basically understanding him on a much deeper level, his character, both mentally and experientially. A lot of times we have a great mental understanding of God's character and who he is. That's great. But do we live it out? Is it the experience of our hearts, of our souls, to understand his character and what it means? When people say, it's almost become cliche now, it's, it's almost cliche for people to say, uh, Jesus loves you or God loves you. And so it almost loses its power. But you as a Christ follower, as you lean into God's spirit, you understand how powerful those words are, that God loves you. In fact, Paul says that nothing can separate us from that love. You understand that. That's growing in our knowledge of God as we lean into his spirit. Number five, strengthen with all power. There's a superpower thing again. Do you need power in this life? Absolutely. Absolutely need power. Need to be strengthened by God's power. Number six, endurance and patience. Endurance and patience. Can we hang on? This is my third sermon. I'm about out of endurance and patience, all right? I know, we're ready to get out of here and go eat. But by his spirit, good Seventh-day Adventists, we've been talking about Jesus coming. He hasn't quite gotten here yet. So we need endurance. We need patience. 
And even though it's, it's tempting to believe other ideologies, other philosophies, other theologies, it's tempting to dismiss this notion of a Jesus who promised to return, who actually will return, you might be tempted to lose faith or to just give up the race and, to lo- and not be patient. He says, hang on. Lead into God's spirit. Be attentive to what God is doing in you as God speaks into your life and as he fills you with this spirit, you will have endurance and patience, man. And number seven, I love this one. This is my favorite one. He says, joyfully giving thanks. This is what deeply spiritual people do. This is what they become. People who, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on around them, can joyfully give thanks. This isn't just a little happy, giddy, happy Sabbath kind of a happy joy. This is legit joy, man. That even though I see stuff around me that doesn't make sense, even though there's all kinds of disappointments, there's fears, there's all kinds of threats around me, I'm wrestling with confusion in my own mind about certain things, I joyfully give thanks in all circumstances. I joyfully give thanks. This was, this was my week. We have, um, I had issues with all my vehicles. We have four cars in our family. I had issues with three of them. We were down to one car. <laughs> you want to talk about superpower? This is the superpower I was, hoping I, I was wishing I had. I was wishing I had the superpower of automobile uh, vision to diagnostic vision and repair. That's what I was hoping for. So I could look at my car and fix it. <laughs> it's a whole lot cheaper. Trust me. But that didn't happen. And yet I still, to a certain extent, had to chuckle. Because that's a first world problem. There are people around the world going through much more difficult situations. And so I was thankful that this was the extent of my issues, God. Thank you. I attempted to remain joyful despite the circumstances, though minor, really. What about you? You have circumstances that are, that are far more dire. You have issues that are going on in your world that are much more, that are much heavier. Are you leaning into the Spirit of God? Are you trusting in Him? If you want to remain faithful, lean into His Spirit. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Lord Jesus, it has been good to be in your house. It has been good to worship with your people. Now I pray, Father, that you would strengthen us, that you would help us to recognize that we have a power that you planted within us that will help us make sense to a certain extent of this life, but it will give us endurance and strength for the journey, Lord. Bless each one. May we lean into your spirit, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.